Hi there, welcome to the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Griffith, and I am so excited to have you here. On this podcast, we talk about all forms of neurodivergence, from ADHD to learning disorders to giftedness to autism and more. If any of that sounds familiar, welcome to Neurodivergent Magic. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome back to another episode of the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because we are talking to Sheila Henson, who is an ADHD coach, and we are talking about neurodiversity and what it's like to live with ADHD and what it means when your brain is clearly a little bit different, but you don't totally understand how. So if any of that rings a bell for you, make sure you stick around, and without any further ado, let's just jump on into the episode. Hey there, Sheila. How are you doing? Hi, um, I'm doing pretty well today. How about you? I am also doing good. I'm super excited for this conversation. So I'm, I'm good because I'm pumped. <laughs> um, so why don't you start by telling our listeners just a little bit about you and who you are and what you do? Sure. That's like my least favorite thing. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I that's I'm, I'm learning how to like write copy about myself like for my websites and things like that like who am I um but uh Sheila Henson I'm an ADHD coach and educator is what I say um I was a teacher before this so my main uh bag really is like focusing on education and teaching people about their brains and what can help and um and why they are the way they are and reducing shame in that um yeah. So I have a coaching business. I do one-on-one, but I also do a lot of what I call translations, which is like between couples or parents and kids trying to like help them to communicate better and explain their needs. Um, and then I teach a lot of classes and do groups and stuff like that. Oh my goodness. That sounds so incredibly useful and helpful. Like, uh, I can't even, especially the translations. I have not heard of anyone else offering that, that, could be life-changing. Like I, I know I've had some clients who are like, well, I'm neurodivergent in this way, but my partner is neurodivergent in this other way. And our needs are so conflicting sometimes. So yeah, I could see those translations being a super powerful, uh, experience for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I got, um, certified in equity informed mediation and, um, that's kind of what I did with it. And it seemed like as I've been working with families with neurodivergence for over 15 years, like forever. Um, And the family dynamics are really fascinating to me. And it just seems like so often um, a lot of like anger, resentment can like build up over things that just haven't been explained in the right way yet. Right. Like just this one explanation or this one thing you can say to them to help them understand each other. And then like everything changes. Like as soon as the dynamic changes, then people are less defensive and then they're more helpful and then they have less shame. So then their executive dysfunction gets better. And like it just spirals um, forever in such a good way. So uh, that's one of my favorite things to do for sure. Is, is awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were a teacher and now you're an ADHD coach. So what's up with that transition? Like what happened there? Well, <laughs> well, I was teaching at a school for neurodivergent kids. Um, it's called Serendipity Center in Portland, Oregon. If you want to donate to an awesome nonprofit, highly recommended. Um, but I was having some health issues and um, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so I was already sort of feeling bad that I was missing a lot of school because I was having chronic migraines and other things like that. Um, and then uh, as soon as the pandemic hit, I suddenly was expected to learn a ton of software, which is not my forte. Like I am very not tech savvy and the stress of that plus 
um, my on top of like, I mean, having migraines and then having to be on the computer all day, um, a little rough uh, to begin with. But then also, you know, my kids, my students had um, most of them were living in either foster homes or they just didn't have a lot of uh, at home support. And so it ended up being, you know, maybe three kids showing up. Um, and that was just it was really heartbreaking. Um, and I didn't want to abandon them. I I still, you know, I keep in touch with some of them if they um, want to. Um, but I, yeah, I was just not being a good teacher anymore because it was hard for me to stay engaged and it was um, hard for me to, to actually show up. So this was kind of my side business um, because working uh, for a nonprofit doesn't make you rich. And so I decided to, um, so I decided, okay, well, let's see if I can just really all of a sudden make this my full-time job. And then I can sleep until noon and have time for my migraine meds to kick in before I start work. Um, and, and it worked. Uh, I, the, my students got me on TikTok. Um, and as soon as I got on there, I think within a month, I had 30,000 followers because this was before there weren't really ADHD. TikTok wasn't really as much of a thing yet. Um, and so people were just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what's an ADHD coach? What is ADHD? Um, and a lot of, you know, ADHD Twitter and, and all the other things started uh, showing up on TikTok there. But so my business, you know, took off really quickly. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I have found TikTok to be such, I don't know, such a crazy place, but such a good place most of the time. Um, <laughs> I think there's definitely um, a really strong neurodivergent community on there. And that's sort of what we were going to talk about today is the neurodivergent community and the neurodivergent label and like what that means, <laughs> because I think there's a lot of people maybe misusing it unintentionally, um, just thinking like, oh, neurodivergent means ADHD or neurodivergent means autistic. And it really doesn't. Um, yeah, you're not shaking your head. So I was just wondering if you could uh, talk a little bit about what the neurodivergent, what that word means to you, like what's your understanding of it. I mean, there's the actual definition, which would have been good if I'd like pulled up or something, but I'm sure you can, <laughs> you can probably speak to that more. But for me, like when I, I think about neurodiversity, just meaning that there are a lot of different ways, maybe infinite different ways that people can experience the world and interact with it. Right. So that from, and this has like been a super hyper fixation for me lately. Um, I even started a YouTube channel that's, um, going to be launching this week called uh, uh, brain interviews <laughs> where I yes. just interview people about how their brains work um and the first two people are actually neurotypical you know identifying as neurotypical but talking to them about how their brains work and um in what ways that's similar or different than other people but I mean I've been interested in you know some people have internal monologues and some people don't some people's thoughts they experience as like a concept versus imagery versus words versus you know and I have um one of my friends was telling me that when nothing when no stimulus is happening her brain is just silence it's just peaceful it's nothing um and to me that's insane that's crazy right and then my, another friend saying oh I don't have an internal monologue I oh you know but my brain is like a tornado inside. So there's no words. It's just like a like a chaotic um, concept, you know. And all of the just which my brain on the inside is like a, a full Broadway musical. There's like song and dance and visuals and lots of monologues. Um, so hearing about all those different things is really interesting. And then we think about um, sensorily, like how we experience the world. And that's a huge hot topic, you know. With I know definitely with ADHD and autism. Um, 
uh, you know, on social media discussing that and how, um, and then our bodies, I'm teaching a class with um, Laura Barto about uh, ADHD body basics. And she's teaching about, you know, how there are these certain um, parts of neurodivergent bodies, you know, that um, just like more likely to have hypermobility, more likely to have IBS, more likely to have, you know, all these things. So anyway, I guess I'm really, I'm diverging a lot here, but the neurodivergent to me, means that uh, it is diff more difficult for us to conform to the expectations of society. And that's kind of like where I would, would leave it, right? Like the, there is an expectation of how people are supposed to experience and interact with the world. There is this idea that this is how people are, this is how people learn, this is how people behave, um, this is how people should experience their emotions, this is how they should express their emotions. And society, like we've created sort of this box out of that. Um, and some people are okay being in that box, you know, they feel okay with it. Um, no, I don't think anybody feels great about it, you know, about being put into a box at all, right? Um, but some people are able to feel successful and good and, and all of that while also being authentic. Um, and for me, a neurodivergent person means that their authenticity is at odds with that box of societal expectations. And so they have to either choose to let go of their authenticity and mask or fake or um, conform in order to meet the demands of society or they are othered in one way or another. I absolutely love that, that description of their authenticity is at odds with what is expected from them. Like that is mind blowing. Um, I love it. <laughs> that feels so true and so accurate. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's super similar to what I think of as being neurodivergent as well. I think, um, one thing that I might add is that there is a like neurological difference that is like different from the quote unquote norm, I suppose, um, that causes us to feel, um, to make it difficult for us to fit into like neurotypical standards and whatnot. So I, I only bring that up for, uh, the people who have heard like, oh, everybody is a little autistic. Like, <laughs> no, no, Karen, they're not. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely not. And that's something that I found that really interesting, you know, in the, um, my, in one of my brain interviews that I did with my friend, Alex, um, he, you know, is self-identified neurotypical, but he has the experience of, um, being, uh, you know, a child of immigrants, you know, first generation in the U S and being gay. And so he developed a lot of things that, um, for example, I developed having ADHD, which is like, that that feeling at odds with your authenticity but for different reasons right for him it was because of his sexuality and because of these very high expectations that were put on him that he developed these he talks about he developed sort of perfectionism and sort of this need to feeling like he needed to hide himself um which is different like i also had <laughs> like you know perfectionism because i was so uh, afraid of constantly being like berated or doing something i was constantly making mistakes and didn't understand why right and so i became really hyper vigilant about certain things um, and and i felt like i needed to hide myself because people would be like what are you talking about like i would be off topic or you know too loud or things like that so i think that like a lot of people can understand parts of the neurodivergent experience but for yeah potentially different reasons like some of us have you know my parents are both uh have adhd and my i have 14 cousins and i think like 12 
out of 14 of the cousins have ADHD. There's definitely something we were born with it. There's no escaping it. Um, and it is like, it is really a different way of processing information and a different way of existing in the world, bit neurologically for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you don't mind me asking just on a, like a personal level, like you say having ADHD is like, there's definitely something different about the way you're like processing the world around you. What do you think is that like biggest difference for you that you've noticed over the years that stands out as like, okay, this is not how a neurotypical person would process. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a few things. I mean, the first one's definitely time. I do not experience time in the way that other people do. And I was always very confused and very frustrated with myself and very ashamed um, when, you know, I couldn't really make it on time to class, to a job, to my friend's party, to, I mean, I'd probably, you know, be uh, late to doctor's appointments. It just, like, it didn't matter what it was or how bad the consequences were. Like, I really would just get lost in, in the silliest things, um, you know? Um, and so that is definitely a huge one. Like, as far as what, how that affected my life and how people did not understand you know, oh, I would have friends be so upset with me. Like you're disrespecting me. You don't care. You know, I had a therapist that fired me because they were like, well, if you're not taking your healing journey seriously, then, you know, I don't want to work with you. And I was like, I'm literally here for this reason. Like you're supposed to be helping me with this. Um, which is why I do, you know, with my clients, like we, I have a full, you know, if you don't show up, if you're late, there's no like penalty for that. It's reschedule anytime. Um, because I yeah never want anyone to feel like that there there is no help for the for the they're being rejected by the help that they're seeking for that problem so that's definitely one of them um, and then another one is definitely just like my ability to I'm gonna like this is one of those double-edged sword situations I guess where like I make connections really quickly um, so that can be cool I definitely like it's funny I see on TikTok people being like how do you know how the movie is going to end? And like, that was the thing since I was a kid, my friends would be like, I'm not watching movies with you because, you know, it's sixth sense. I was like, hey, he's, you know, <laughs> like, oh my God, <laughs> why are you doing this? So like being able to make connections and, and that was great in English class, right? I didn't even have to read the book. I could just show up and bullshit an entire essay or an entire conversation because I can make those connections so quickly. And also, um, sometimes it feels like I'm having a different conversation. If I'm, if I'm talking with a quote unquote neurotypical person or a person whose brain works um, differently than mine, it can sometimes feel like we're having two parallel conversations because I can be maybe three steps ahead and they're like, what are you talking about? Um, or just kind of, um, I can get so excited making one connection after another connection after another connection that I start um, just sort of very loudly and very quickly uh, info dumping or monologuing um, and, and interrupting other people, which again, like because my family is all ADHD, which they always blamed it on being Italian, but I think it's really the ADHD. Like where I was became, I never learned to when I was a kid not to interrupt people. That we just interrupted each other and just got louder and louder and faster and faster. Um, and that was fine. And that's you know, I know there are a lot of cultures where that's fine. Um, but then uh, going to school and, and uh, people telling me that they, you know, were felt, felt like I was rude or I wasn't a good listener or things like that um, became a problem. I think those are, I mean, and the executive dysfunction is, is probably the, the other one, right? Which is like, just, it is hard to do things. <laughs> but the thing is too, like, I don't know. And I mean, I guess research says executive dysfunction is part of ADHD, but we also know that it's part of trauma. We know that it's part of depression 
And I see with my clients that as they become, as they let go of shame, as they heal their trauma, as they're working with their therapist, they're working with me, they're doing all of these different good things for themselves, developing community. I see their executive dysfunction becoming less and less and less of a problem, right? And I've seen that for myself as well, where when I was really suffering with depression as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, my executive dysfunction was horrible. I couldn't keep my room clean. I couldn't, um, you know, get my car registration complete. I couldn't, there was just little thing. I couldn't, I could barely take a shower. You know, I couldn't take care of myself. Um, and then as I learned how to take care of myself um, little by little and had more supportive community, those things are less of a problem. It's still a problem. I absolutely like did not answer any emails this week because my dog was sick. And when I'm stressed, like I just, can't do those things, right? Um, but just that uh, the task initiation part of executive dysfunction, where we want to do something, we know how to do it, we're motivated to do it, and yet we can't get ourselves to do it. That also has been um, something that neurotypicals, quote unquote, um, have a really hard time understanding. Absolutely. Yes, I completely agree with that. I think even a lot of professionals tend to underestimate the power, the potency and the like impact of executive dysfunction. A lot of professionals will be like, well, we need to treat the depression. We need to treat the anxiety and that will lessen the executive dysfunction. And it might, but sometimes the executive dysfunction is the primary issue. And I feel like a lot of professionals don't seem to grasp that. Um, and so I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I have a whole program uh, called Neurodivergent Magic that is literally about executive dysfunction. And I, I totally agree with you. Like the number one thing that I teach, like I have practical skills in there and I think they're incredibly useful, but like the number one thing that I teach is compassion because like I tell my students, hating yourself takes a lot of energy. And uh <laughs> Yes. When you stop hating yourself quite so much, you might be surprised at the amount of energy and focus you have left over to do the things you want to do. Um, yeah, that's hundred percent. Yeah. I also, I have a class called how to do the thing that's just on task. Yes. And then I also, yeah, and then I also have a, um, executive function webinar that I do with Amanda Carey, who's the ADHD lady on TikTok and everywhere else. Um, and, uh, we go through all of the executive functions like memory and, you know, cause all of, they all tie in, right? Like it's hard to get something done if you don't remember that you have to do it. And it's hard to get something done if your emotional regulation is off. And if you don't have the tools because you're not organized and they all sort of like tie into each other, but yeah, a hundred percent. Like the main point is the shame. And I think it's interesting. There was a doctor that I talked to and I said, Oh, you know, I have, you know, she's like, Oh, you're on Vyvanse. And I was like, yeah, I'm on, you know, for my ADHD. And she was like, well, have they treated, uh, you know, have you, you know, depression, anxiety first? And I was like, actually, like I, you know, I spent, you know, 15 years trying to treat my depression and anxiety. And once I treated the ADHD, those things just went away. And she's like, well, we were taught to treat the depression and anxiety first. And I was like, as, as an ADHD coach, I think you were taught wrong. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, that might be and like, because some of the re so much of the reason for the anxiety and the depression for me personally was the sh incredible shame and the incredible like not understand like a uh, lack of understanding about why like wait what's due when is it what's going on what have i what have i done wrong that i haven't realized why are these people mad at me i don't even like i don't know what's going on that causes an intense amount of anxiety and then the depression came from feeling so isolated and so ashamed that i couldn't just live up to my potential quote unquote or like you know everyone was telling me you just don't care you're 
just not trying. And I was like, oh, I guess I don't care. And I'm not trying. It's weird because it feels like I really care and I'm really trying. Um, and just really, I didn't even get medicated until a couple of years ago, but the understanding, you know, when I was around 30, the understanding that I had ADHD um, made it so that uh, I let go of so much of that and everything got better from there. And actually really before I got diagnosed, that started happening because I was working with neurodivergent kids and I knew that I related to them, but it, you know, my issues didn't seem, didn't seem as serious, right? Like, oh, they have neurodivergence. I just have that normal amount of weirdness. <laughs> this is the normal amount of struggle. It's like, no, no, then like, the, what is that uh, meme or whatever? Like the normal amount of pain is none. Um, <laughs> And so like, and people are like, what? Um, and so like, uh, I, so, but I, through working with the kids and, and then later adults as well, I sort of developed coping skills. I was like, oh, well, this works for them. I can use this for me. This works for them. I can use this for me. And, and it worked, you know, be, and then I, when I got my, my ADHD diagnosis, finally, um, I was like, oh, <laughs> that, that makes sense. Right. 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 Absolutely. I totally hear you when you're talking about like finding ways to accommodate yourself based on what has worked for other neurodivergent folks, um, whether it's the kids you were teaching or adults you've been working with. And um, yeah, I think that's one of the most powerful things about like self-diagnosis and everything is, or self-identification um, is being able to take these accommodations and um, coping strategies and saying like, if it helps me, it helps me. And like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I think that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of those things, it does work for everybody. And that was what I learned teaching in a classroom. I had, you know, one classroom had nine different diagnoses from schizophrenia, autism, ADHD, you know, uh, bipolar, like the whole, the whole shebang. Um, and the same things help everybody, which is like, understanding like make sure that the expectations are clear <laughs> make sure that we're connecting to things that matter to you like you know all of these different things anyway yeah yes the the idea that accommodations are special treatment is ridiculous because accommodations help everyone they often even help neurotypical folks like yes. accommodations are necessary and amazing. And if anyone's listening and they're thinking about asking for accommodations, first of all, go listen to the accommodations episode because we have a whole episode about that, but also just know that it's okay. And you're probably going to end up helping everyone around you in the process. So just absolutely. throwing that out there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. So one last question for you, I think what is one thing if, if people listening come away with one thing that manages to stick in their head, what's something that you would want people to know about neurodivergence, neurodiversity, ADHD, or, um, whatever. Wow. That's a big question. Um, I guess like, I mean, based on what we were talking about earlier, I think the idea that, um, I hear a lot from people like, oh, I thought it was just me or like, I thought I was just bad, or I was just this. And, and if I get this diagnosis, it will prove it's not just me. And I'm not flawed. I just am one of this type of people. And something I would urge people is to understand that, like I said, like neurodiversity is a thing. And maybe you don't fit an ADHD diagnosis or an autism diagnosis or an OCD diagnosis or a bipolar diagnosis, but you struggle with time management. 
you still deserve accommodations and understanding for that, right? You maybe you don't fit into any of those criteria, but you're struggling with executive dysfunction. You're struggling to get things done. You're struggling with organization. Like that's also okay. <laughs> like just because uh, you don't fit into one box or one. I mean, that's the whole point of this neurodiversity um, stuff. Really, is to say it's not. There's no wrong way to exist. There's no wrong way to be. There's just like figuring out your needs and then building skills and and learning to advocate yourself in order to meet those needs. And so it doesn't matter if you, like diagnoses are amazing to get accommodations for validation. It's also a privilege. Not everyone can get one because maybe the doctor isn't actually educated about neurodiversity or maybe they don't have the money or maybe the executive dysfunction gets in the way of getting a diagnosis. And so um, just because you don't have a diagnosis or you'll never get one doesn't mean that you don't deserve support. Doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Um, your brain, is exactly how it's supposed to be. And you just need to figure out what your needs are and then build skills and um, accommodations around it. Yeah. I think that that is such a, like, you're right. That was a big question for me to ask. And I think you answered it so gracefully. I think that is such a good thing for people to come away with. Um, I 100% agree, totally. And my husband would thank you for pointing out that you do not need to have a diagnosis for your struggles to be valid. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little obsessy about diagnoses, um, as longtime listeners of the podcast will know. Uh, <laughs> so, and my husband's always saying like, you know, you don't need a diagnosis to make you special. You're already special. Like you're already enough. <laughs> and I'm like, stop it. Stop being nice. <laughs> um, so he would totally agree with you and he will love this episode. Um, <laughs> So um, let's see, where can people find you? And is there a way that they can work with you? If there's anybody listening right now who's like, oh my goodness, Sheila is speaking my language and I need to work with her. Like, what can they do? Yeah, um, I have a website, which is SheilaHenson.com. Sheila, S-H-E-I-L-A, Henson, like the Muppets. Um, and also everywhere else, I am ADHD coach Sheila, and that'll lead you back to the website. Um, so on YouTube, like I said, those those brain reviews should be coming up. They just got edited. I just need to figure out what tags I want to use, and then I'll post them. Um, and so, that, yeah, ADHD coach Sheila on YouTube, ADHD coach Sheila on um, TikTok and Instagram, I'm making videos all day, every day, <laughs> um, and a few, lots and lots of free content. But on my website, you can find, um, you can schedule a consultation with me, um, and we'll just meet for 30 minutes and see like what kind of is going to suit your needs. Also, I have classes and coaching groups that you can just sign up for directly. Um, and uh, I got some really good ones coming up, including like I have a college group, I have a high school group. Um, we have the Meerkat Squad, which I do this ADHD autistics um, combo group um, that I, I teach with Joris and Lena. I've got um, that class with Amanda Carey coming up on executive functions. I've got the ADHD body basics uh, with Laura, um, tons of, of good stuff. And then you can also, you know, if you wanted to do one of those translations, either with your spouse or your kid, or honestly, I have a lot of adults, uh, adults and their adult parents um, doing this because, you know, discovering that you're neurodivergent later in life and then trying to explain it to your you know, boomer parents can be really rough for some people. Um, and then, and usually that parent might also have a neurodivergence they don't understand yet. And so that's really fun to do. Um, so anyway, you can uh, schedule a consultation if you wanted to do one of those. And uh, yeah, I hope I see or hear from all of you eventually. Yes, definitely. I, I definitely think that you will. Um, so 
thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for chatting with me. I feel like this has been such a good discussion. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It was super fun. Yeah. All right. And thanks everybody for listening and I will see you next Saturday. Bye. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify, leave review over on Apple podcasts and tune in next Saturday for another amazing episode.